It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Welcome back to Yankee Stadium. Gary Thorne, Tommy Hutton, and all of our crew. It has been a magnificent playoff game. It was game two of the 1995 American League Division Series, and magnificent is exactly what this game was. It was the Seattle Mariners versus the New York Yankees. We join the action in the 12th inning. Here's where we're at. Ken Griffey Jr. with a two-out homer here in the 12th inning, giving the Mariners a 5-4 lead. He can drill it. A line drive, 385 mark, coming off John Wetland, who has left the game. And the pitcher on in relief for Wetland, making his postseason debut. Mariano Rivera, out of Panama City, Panama, on in relief, 25-year-old right-hander for the Yankees. Hey, this youngster can fire. Mariano Rivera. And he would continue to fire that night as the Yankees tied the game in the bottom of the 12th. Mariano faced 12 batters, striking out five of them. In the top of the 14th, he struck out the side. 1-2 pinch, swung on and missed just like that. That's it. 0-2 the count. Whoa. No ladder tall enough for that one. The 1-2 strike him out. Mariano Rivera strikes out the side. Seven batters, nobody's got it out of the infield of him. This being his first year in the major leagues, Rivera had not yet established himself. He also hadn't established that pitch yet, that one pitch we all know him for. But on this night, he actually did offer a small glimpse of what was to come. Slider just missed. Tell you what, to show you the kind of movement he has, I think that was just a good cut fastball. Yeah, you're right. He is bringing it. As the game crept into the 15th inning, the clock ticking past 1 a.m., commentator Gary Thorne put it accurately, saying, There are careers being played here tonight, this morning. Which leads us to the third Yankee to bat in the bottom of the 15th, Jim Lairitz. Jimmy Lairitz. 0 for 5 and hit by a pitch. Fly ball. It could be! Back at the wall! Goodbye, home run! The Yankees win! Jim Lahrens, a two-run homer in the 15th inning! Yankees win 7-5! It was a heroic playoff moment for sure, but slightly overshadowed was another career highlight that occurred during that game. 25-year-old Mariano Rivera will be the winning pitcher in this game. For Mariano's first ever appearance in a playoff game, he recorded five strikeouts over three and one-third innings, showed a glimpse of a pitch yet to come, and earned a win. Pretty good for his first ever postseason outing. In this episode, we'll take you through his journey to that moment in 1995, what it meant to him, 
and his story of becoming a Major League Baseball player. I'm Mark Feinsand, executive reporter for MLB.com. Welcome to Major League Baseball's Full Account Podcast, where we take deep dives into baseball's best untold stories. Now, the gate opens. Number 42, Mariano Rivera. Now here's Mariano Rivera. And now Mariano Rivera. Rivera sets and deals. Strike three, ball game over. Yankees win. The Yankees win. And it's perfect because the greatest closer in history now has the most saves in history. He's going to be one tough act to follow. In this episode, we'll explore Mariano's path through the minor leagues. I think he had a really good perspective, as did the other three core four guys. We'll look back at his start in the major leagues. I think the end of 95 was the starting point of everything. And hear about just how close he came to being traded. I felt like three hours trying to convince the boss not to do it. Before that 1995 playoff game, which we'll unpack later in this episode, we find Mariano at the beginning of his journey to the majors. While most Latin American prospects are signed at age 16 or 17, Rivera was 20 years old when he was signed by the Yankees and brought to the United States. He had never left his home country before. Your father said that he cried when he took you to the airport. What do you remember about that day of getting to the airport and leaving Panama for the first time? It was like a sweet and sour. You know, sweet because, yes, you get an opportunity that you want, but sour because you live in your family that you have never done. You know, I mean, I was never away from my family. My girlfriend, my wife, you know, leaving her for the first time, you know, that was hard. But at the same time, you know, I was committed. His father was a hardened man who rarely showed emotion, but he gave his son some advice before he left. My father said, you know, we will be fine. Just keep pushing, you know, do your best. And I did. If I'm going to do this, I'm going to give everything within my power to make it happen. That I will have no regrets. Or something that I will say, man, I wish I could have done that different. I wish I couldn't done this. I wish I couldn't push myself a little bit more. Gifted with his father's advice, Rivera's destination was Tampa, Florida for Yankees extended spring training. He was 20 years old and the opportunity in front of him was far from a long-term guarantee. I was just the filled in because I wasn't the guy that they wanted to come and see. There was a guy named uh, Luis Parra. And for me, I was just kind of like the fill-in. If they have time, I will see you. If not, well, thank you for coming. For current Major League players, air travel is taken for granted. But for Rivera, his trip to the United States was his first ever flight, with a stop in between at Miami International Airport. As Rivera arrived in Miami, the scene around him was nothing short of frantic. He had never been inside an airport, so the sights of one of the busiest terminals in the world was quite overwhelming. Oh yeah, he also didn't understand a word of English. Out of all airports, Miami, 
humongous airport. And here it's me and, and Luis Parra. No English. I don't know if he flew before, but I didn't. That's my first time ever. And here I am looking for a gate. What the heck is gate? You know what I mean? Mariano would indeed find the correct gate and make it to Tampa, but the bigger obstacle laid ahead. How tough was the language barrier for you when you first got there? Mark, uh, actually, I was okay because 90% of the players, they spoke Spanish. And I was in Tampa. A lot of people speak Spanish there. So that was okay. You know, once in a while I had to go to McDonald's and the lady didn't speak Spanish where I had to point number one or number two. If they ask me Coca-Cola, yes. Although I don't want Coca-Cola, you know? But, uh, but that's, that's the way I learned and I went by with. Rivera tried to learn the language, but quickly found that his English-speaking teammates were more interested in teaching him words he would rather not say. Every word that they teach you is by word. You know, I don't know why people always take like, oh, proudness or proud to teach somebody else a bad word. I said, man, I don't want to learn this bad word. I'm going to be going to a McDonald's, a Burger King, and ask, okay, I want this with a F word or something like that. You know what I mean? So I said, no, man, this is not. This is, this is, if this is English to me, I don't want to know English. Learning a new language is one thing. Learning how to pitch is something entirely different. Rivera had been a shortstop for most of his life in Panama. When he was signed by the Yankees as a pitcher, he had only been playing the position for a matter of weeks. Once he arrived in Tampa, the Yankees coaches got to work. That happens as a pitcher. They see you throwing, and they can pick up right away that you're a thrower. You're not a pitcher. Then they start teaching you the ways of pitching. I got fascinated with Rivera was receiving professional coaching for the first time in his life, and the results showed. In his first professional season, Rivera pitched 22 games for the Gulf Coast League Yankees, 21 of them out of the bullpen. He had one start, which he made only because he needed five more innings to qualify for the league's ERA title. And how did he perform in that one start? Well, of course, he threw a seven-inning no-hitter. With that performance, he would win the league's ERA title, which came with a whopping $500 bonus. His results for that season were staggering. 52 innings, one earned run, a minuscule 0.17 ERA. Rivera remembers that year and his ERA title. 50-song innings, one, one uh, end run. And I, I was the best in minor leagues in, in, in earned run through a no-hitter. Seven-inning no-hitter. Rivera wasn't the only one who remembered that no-hitter. If I remember right, I think at the last game of the first year in the Gulf Coast League, I think he threw a no-hitter. That's Brian Cashman, the Yankees' assistant farm director in 1990 and current general manager, a post he's held since 1998. According to Cashman, that no-hitter did spark interest in Rivera. You know, he was someone that, you know, like, you had to pay attention to the numbers. Like, wow, you know what? It, you know, the hitters obviously aren't reacting well to him at this level. So Mariano would go on to the next level and was assigned to play for the Greensboro Hornets, the Yankees' Class A minor league affiliate at the time. This would require his relocation to North Carolina.
following year, 1991, North Carolina, Greensboro, North Carolina. Well, maybe 2% of the population speaks Spanish there. And uh, I said, man, I need to learn the English. I was going to bed crying, not because of the game, but I couldn't communicate. I didn't have a language to express that. How am I going to tell my manager I wanted to pitch? So I pushed myself to learn the language. For Mariano to learn English, he would look to his teammates for help. He approached Tim Cooper and proposed a quid pro quo arrangement. Tim Cooper wanted to learn Spanish, and I wanted to learn English. And on the bus, we have 14, 16 hours, 18 hours of travel from one point to point B. And we have those time to just talk. His manager that year, Trey Hillman, took notice. He was extremely coachable. And, and I do remember him working on his English, and he wasn't afraid to make mistakes. And, you know, thankfully he was surrounded with some good teammates that helped him out. Hillman saw in Rivera's passion to learn a new language his determination to succeed in his career long term. For me, it goes back to his passion and his drive. You know, he, I think that he had a, a clear vision of where he wanted to go. And I think he realized early on, hey, this is going to be one of those things that if I'm going to do it at the highest level, I need to go ahead and improve all my skill sets as much as I possibly can. And at the end of the day, you know, he, he didn't waste time. And I think that's that's another good testimonial part of his career in that first full season there in Greensboro and, and not wasting time wanting to master the language. Rivera would go on to learn the language that year and credits that learning as a crucial part of his success. By the end of the year, I was able to have a conversation to communicate with my pitching coach, with my teammate, with my uh, manager, man. And from there, my, my career just took off. Rivera's English was getting better each week. And while that certainly helped make life in Greensboro easier for him, it would be his performance on the mound that still mattered most. So how did he look at this stage in his minor league career? According to his teammate and good friend Andy Pettit, Mariano was not really all that special yet. When I first met Mo, it was down in, in the minor leagues. And just a, a skinny, skinny old, you know, guy from Panama and... and Nothing, there was nothing really that special, nothing that really stood out about him. Hmm. Maybe Trey Hillman, his manager, thought differently. I didn't know exactly which direction it was going to go for Mariano. I, I certainly wouldn't sit here and tell you that I knew he was going to be the dominant closer at that stage of his career that he ended up to be. To be perfectly honest with you, I wasn't exactly sure where it would go uh, that early in his career. Or his evaluators. They had to have seen Mo's greatness coming to the surface, didn't they? Here's the voice of the Yankees' front office again, Brian Cashman. From a scouting eye, I don't think anybody was being overwhelmed at that point by, by the stuff he was throwing and then the size that he had at the same time. According to his teammate, his manager, and the scouts, Rivera's game did not appear to be anything extraordinary. His numbers were great on paper, but it felt like something was missing. So how did his game change? What was the catalyst for his promotion up through the minor leagues? Oddly enough, it might have been elbow surgery. Here's Mo. My third year as a professional, 1992, 
And he got to tell me, hey, Mara, you need surgery. I said, well, it's, it's, that's what we need to do to, to fix it and get better. He says, yes, well, let's do it. While Rivera was rehabbing his elbow, Major League Baseball's two new expansion teams, the Florida Marlins and Colorado Rockies, took part in an expansion draft to fill their inaugural rosters. The Yankees left Rivera unprotected, but given his recent surgery, neither of the new teams selected him, despite taking three players from the Yankees' system. Who were those three players? The Rockies took Charlie Hayes and Brad Ausmus, while the Marlins took Carl Everett. Hayes, of course, would return to the Yankees, catching the final out of the 1996 World Series for New York. Everett and Ausmus went on to all-star careers, though neither of them became Mariano Rivera. I asked Brian Cashman about the decision to leave Rivera unprotected. The Yankees did not protect Mariano in the expansion draft in 93. I know you're not a big what-if guy. Do you ever think about the course of history and how it could have been changed? Yeah, you know, I don't look back on that circumstance just because Mariano Rivera wasn't Mariano Rivera uh, to us or the industry at that point. So I, I didn't think that we felt that there was any risk that him being taken would happen, and it played out properly. So that was a nice strategic call by us. 18 months removed from his elbow surgery, Rivera went into the 1994 season with no restrictions. That season, he would play for three different teams in the Yankees minor league system, moving from single A in Tampa to double A in Albany, and eventually in July of that season to triple A in Columbus. Although he was progressing, Rivera was battling a shoulder issue now, along with lingering soreness in the elbow area. He was close enough to smell the big leagues, so he would try pitching through it all. Back shoulder, you know, uh, trying to go through it. Trying to go through it. I mean, I was getting better with the surgery. So I was trying to push through those soreness and those pains. And uh, it was was tough. But at the same time, I kept pushing. I kept pushing. I kept pushing. You know, because in that point now, I said, well, you know, I'm going to step to the big leagues. You know, I'm not going to stop now, whatever it is. And he didn't. Rivera would go on to pitch through his soreness and open the 1995 season in Columbus. The Yankees' front office was starting to take notice. You know, back in the day, the way it used to be, you would get the, the, the daily minor league reports faxed in from your affiliates. At that time, our AAA affiliate was Columbus. The box score was faxed in, which was the manager report uh, with the pitching coach's comments and, you know, on the pitchers, obviously, uh, their results, their velocities, on each of their pitches in their repertoire, and in Mariano's case, had jumped significantly. This was the big change for Mo. His development and strength from surgery was finally starting to pay dividends. Gene Michael, the Yankees' general manager at the time, was having trouble believing Mariano's velocity had increased the way it had. So right away, Gene Michael, the first thing he did every morning when he got into the office was read the minor league uh, reports, and, and right away he was caught off guard with Mariano's his velocity line on his fastball. So immediately called uh, to Columbus and check with the pitching coach, and he goes, no, that's what we got on our gun. So he was like, you got to be kidding me. So then the next thing is, will, will he follow it up? In 1995, for the first time in his career, Rivera was throwing his fastball consistently in the mid-'90s. And boom, 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 boom. You know, Mariano never, you know, basically deviated from that level. He just, you know, was a different animal. And, uh, you know, Gene Michael felt that he, you know, from his prior surgery that he might have, you know, you know, broken through some adhesions. I remember, he's, you know, he said that can happen sometimes. Some scar tissue, you break it up, you get more extension, and you get some more velo. But whatever it was, it was a game changer and took him to a whole n- another level. Fair warning here. 
Unfortunately, the quality of this upcoming archival broadcast recording is a little spotty, as the access to this particular game was limited. After all, not many people were expecting the greatest closer in baseball history to be making his debut during this game. Tonight, the Yankees are going to start a rookie right-hander, a 25-year-old from Panama, Mariano Rivera, making his major league debut. We'll jump ahead to the bottom of the fourth inning. All-star Jim Edmonds is at the plate with two runners on base. Rivera has already faced him twice tonight, striking him out both times. The count is two balls and one strike. Here's the 2-1 pitch. It's soft. Could be. It's got a lot of distance. Bernie Williams looks up, leaps, it is gone! A three-run home run for Jim Edmonds. Oh, baby! Unfortunately for Mariano, his debut would leave the Yankees questioning their decision to bring him up. And here comes Bucky Showalter. And the Yanks are going to go to the bullpen here in the fourth inning. Well, the young man did not do a real bad job tonight. His major league debut, he will get another chance, I'm sure. For his major league debut, Rivera went three and one-third innings. The Yankees lost to the Angels 10-0. Over the next two weeks, Mariano would pitch in a pair of bad outings, which was enough to convince the Yankees that he wasn't quite ready to make a consistent impact. So they sent him back to AAA after his June 11th loss to the Mariners. Also sent down that day, the team's 20-year-old shortstop. You may have heard of him, Derek Jeter. Oh my God, we were, uh, we were devastated. We were uh, almost in tears. I remember uh, being sitting in, in uh, Bennigan's in Inglewood, New Jersey, right by the hotel that we were staying. And uh, the feeling that we were feeling that, that day, we don't want to feel that again, ever. But that moment was difficult, it was hard, it was tough. Because we never been sent down from no, nowhere. Minorly, we always went up. We both together the same day. If you ask him, he will tell you it's my fault. <laughs> it was my fault because they sent me down, I didn't do my job. But uh, it was something that uh, we both had to go through to understand you know, the abilities and the capacity that we have to get better. A little more than three weeks later, Rivera was back with the Yankees. He had a brilliant July 4th holiday win over the White Sox at Comiskey Park. Rivera allowed only two hits and walked four, striking out a career-high 11 batters. As he just threw that fastball right by him. Fastball strike outside corner. It turned out to be the only double-digit strikeout game of Rivera's career. Brian Cashman remembers the fallout from that performance. I remember the opposing team's players were ripping publicly their advanced scouting information on Mariano, saying this was way off. What they said this guy was and what he was was two different things and blah, blah, blah. And uh, Mariano came up. And he's throwing just as hard right now as he was in inning one. Oh, without a doubt. He's 90-plus for sure. High heat got him. Strikeout number 11, another 1-2-3 inning for Rivera. And really mowed these guys down and, and surprised not just, uh, you know, if, if I remember right, the White Sox, but us as well here in the front office. Rivera appeared in 15 games after his return, starting six of them. He was 4-1 and one with a 4.15 ERA, showing more than he did earlier in the season. During the September stretch run, Rivera made seven appearances out of the bullpen. 
he did well enough for the front office and manager Buck Showalter to put him on the roster for the ALDS against the Seattle Mariners. We were in win-now mode, and, and uh, you know there was an opportunity uh, that existed to help us out of the pen, and then, but it was more like, all right, you know, we'll take him. You know, he, he seems better than the other alternative choices, whoever they were at the time. But these decisions were all happening behind the scenes. In 1995, Mariano Rivera was a rookie, and unless you were following the team extremely close, you didn't know who Mariano Rivera was. It seems like the memorable breakout players and their subsequent breakout moments appear when we are least expecting it. Those memorable moments happen whenever they happen. They become memorable because of their randomness. For Mariano, his memorable moment came in that 1995 ALDS against the Seattle Mariners. Nobody realized it would be the beginning of the greatest postseason career in history, Rivera included. But the 95 playoffs proved to be a pivotal moment in the reliever's Hall of Fame career. I think the end of 95 was the, the starting point of everything. You know, because in 95, I remember I was the long reliever. And uh, by the, the end of the year, I was doing good. As a matter of fact, they put me in the roster to the playoff. I thought that uh, I don't have a chance to do that. Buck uh, show up, they put me in there, and then uh, I won my first game in the playoff as a long reliever against Seattle. That transfer to the uh, 96 uh, season, I got stronger. Now my shoulder, elbow is good. It feel great than before. So obviously with that, the speed increased. So I was throwing now 96, 97, 98 miles per hour fastball. I was able now to compete with the big guys. You know, in in, in 96, yes, was a a year that I I will never forget. 1996 was indeed the year that launched Rivera's career into the next stratosphere, but it wasn't smooth sailing from the get-go. Rivera was seemingly locked in as a member of new manager Joe Torre's bullpen, but his minor league buddy Jeter, well, he was having a tough spring, causing George Steinbrenner to worry about the Yankees' depth at shortstop. The Mariners, that same team that had sent the Bombers home the previous October, were trying to move veteran Felix Fermin. Fermin was an uninspiring 32-year-old infielder, albeit one with a far lengthier track record than the 21-year-old Jeter. It was serious because our owner was dictating that, you know, he was pushing hard George Steinbrenner at the end of spring training of 96, uh, based on some feedback from Clyde King, who was a special assistant to George Steinbrenner, that Derek Jeter, this up-and-coming young rookie that we were going to go at shortstop didn't look good in, in his uh, spring training of 96. And so, therefore, you know, we need to trade for an everyday shortstop. Felix Fermin could be had. And, you know, Woody Woodward was the GM of the Seattle Mariners. And the, the trade partner request was uh, Fermin to the Yankees for either Mariano Rivera, Bob Wickman, or I can't remember the third player off the top of my head, but it was one of three guys that were going to be going for Fermin. And we spent... I felt like three hours trying to convince the boss not to do it. Uh, we huddled in Joe Torrey's office uh, at, uh, in Tampa uh, and you know, basically banged it out. And uh, the boss reluctantly left and, and uh, allowed us to not make the move, and then the rest was history. It's one of the great what-ifs in baseball history. What if the Yankees had traded Rivera to the Mariners for Fermin? And in turn, Fermin had supplanted Jeter as the Yankees shortstop in 1996. Just think about how the course of Yankees history, heck, all of baseball history, 
would have been altered had that group of men not talked Steinbrenner out of making a rash decision. Ariana Rivera became Ariana Rivera. Uh, Derek Jeter won Rookie of the Year. We won the World Series, so a lot of great things happened because of that. But that decision was something that was, I think, uh, right on the fence. Be, you know, And that, that was at the time that we still didn't realize who Mariano was just yet, despite what he did in the 95 playoffs. The Yankees would soon learn what they had in Rivera, who had a breakout 1996 season, placing third in the American League Cy Young vote. Their decision not to trade the skinny kid from Panama had paid off, though even Cashman acknowledges that he and the rest of the front office didn't truly know what they had on their hands yet. And a star was born at that point, but again, uh, to some degree, he snuck up on everybody. I, I'd like to probably say if there was technology and analytics in the game, turning the clock back, there'd be less sneaking up on you like it did then because, again, you're relying on your eyes uh, and clearly you're doing some performance scouting. These things make for fabulous sports bar conversations, but Rivera doesn't operate in a world of ifs or maybes. He didn't back then, and he still doesn't now. We never worry about things that we didn't control. You know, we were so focused on doing what we need to do. Derek was, they didn't give him that job. He earned it. All right? He proved it. Wasn't that he was the best athlete there, but he was has the best desire and willing to get better every year. I was the same. I wasn't worried about where I was going or why. I just wanted to be in the big leagues. I wanted, now I got into the big leagues. I wanted to stay here, you know, and I would do whatever it takes, you know, and uh, uh, everything worked because God make it that way. On the next episode of Full Accounts Look at the Life of Mariano Rivera, we'll dig into the story behind his remarkable cutter. After a few days after that, the Lord gave me that famous pitch. We'll hear how he initially struggled to control it. No, it wasn't immediate because I was petrified. I had no control of the pitch. And how it helped him to get the job he would keep for the next 17 seasons. It was because I just became the New York Yankees closer. I'm Mark Feinsand. Thanks for listening. Download and subscribe to Major League Baseball's Full Account Podcast at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Art19, or anywhere else you find podcasts. The Full Account Podcast is produced by Major League Baseball and Barnacle Brothers Production Company. Thanks to our editors, Nina Peskanov, Bob Latai, and Cher Vincent. For Barnacle Brothers, Nick Barnacle, Devin Hill, and Alex Hill. And on-location sound recording, Danny Hole with Sound Co-op. Voiceover recorded at Hyperbolic Audio, engineer Pete Crimmy, and producers Liana Rosenberg and Angela Bennett. Special thanks to our guests Brian Cashman, Andy Pettit, and Trey Hillman, and to Justin Daniels, Marissa Morris, Jason Zillow, and Jason Latimer for coordination. And of course, a very special thanks to Mariana Rivera, as well as Fernando Cusa and John Shestakovsky for their help. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. 
I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 